Hello, hi everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for the 16th session of Battery Revolution. Um, today, we're super excited to finally <laughs> launch off Battery Den. So Simon and I have been talking about it for about, what, three weeks now? And um, yeah, today we're super excited to finally launch it. And here we have on our stage right now are the panelists, um, Bruce, Maggie, Rami, and Stephanie. And they'll be joining us on stage for the whole time to um, share, to share, uh, basically to to um, be the dragons for for Battery Den. So, without further ado, um, Simon, would you like to kickstart the event for us? Sure, very happy to, Catherine. Yes, just want to say extremely excited for today. Um, as Catherine mentioned, we have been talking about this for some time. Um, you know, we all be the passion about startups. We have been running these battery revolution rooms for so it's the 16th time today, so for quite a few weeks. And we always have been really impressed by many startups who have joined us, shared their expertise, shared their exciting visions. And at the same time, we also felt we have so many you know, knowledgeable people with us every time. And it would be really nice to have this exchange you know, between people who are, you know, are on the investing side, on the, have special expertise and relevant topics, as well as startups you know, pursuing their dreams and today we really want to have a nice exchange. Um, you know, it's called Battery Den because we're very inspired by other shows, you know, such as Shark Tank and Dragon's Den and many others around the world. And we really like the format, you know, of providing a stage for, for ambitious startups and ambitious founders. And yeah, today we are very fortunate to have um, six started with us and we're going to introduce them one by one. And yeah, we have a you know, then also there's an amazing um, panelists and experts and investors with us um, who we're going to introduce as well so yeah please stay around so we're going to have to structure that in the beginning you know um the startup's going to pitch and the experts and ambassadors you know going to ask some really exciting questions and then in the end we're also going to open up the room and everyone is welcome to jump in and give their thoughts and yeah really um, open up the floor as well and the entire event lasts about one half hours Catherine, would you like to introduce some of the you know the housekeeping roles as well Great, thanks for that. So um, some housekeeping for everyone who's new to um, Clubhouse. Um, actually for this session, we're doing a little bit different. You'll see that the hand raising function has been turned off. And the reason is because we would like to, um, you know, have all the setups pitch first. And at the end of all the pitches, we will open up the hand raising function um, for everyone else to hop onto stage to interact with the setups. So we'll, so that will be off, that will be off until the end of the pitches, which is about seventy five minutes to ninety five minutes into the show. And while you're on stage, if you wish to speak, please feel free to tap your mute button um, twice, like so. And if you would like to clap, just flutter your mics like so. Other times, if you're not speaking, um, please mute your mic so that we can give others the floor to share their thoughts on it. Um, so we would like to also um, um, share with you on the format of the event. Each startup will have about three minutes to pitch. And um, how it goes is the startups will imagine that they're in an elevator. So the startups will be invited into the elevator with the panelists and they'll have three minutes and to, to, to share about their startups. And at the end, there'll be a 10 minutes Q&A where the panelists will each ask about one to two questions and they'll rate a startup on a scale of one to 10 on how investable is the startup. So after all the startups have pitched, 
we will invite the audience to join us on stage to share with us and ask your questions. So that's it for um, the housekeeping. And without further ado, we will start the event. And we'll start the event with a blast and with a really exciting music. <laughs> and for those of you wearing headphones, please beware, it's a little bit loud as well. So here it goes. Welcome to Battery Den, and today we'll have the panelists with us. We have Stephanie, who's an expert at e-mobility and EV charging. And we have Maggie, who's a battery technology from R&D to commercial sales with over 20 years of experience in the energy space. And here we have with us Bruce as well, um, who's a clean tech advisor at Global Founders Capital and battery data research at Stanford University. And last but not least, we have Remy, who's a principal at Elevate VC. So now we have um, the, our first startup to join us on our pitch. And we have the co-founder and CEO of Vault 14 Solutions. And um, Animesh, now you're going to enter into Elevator with a panelist. And your pitch will start when you, <laughs> at the end of this clip. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Kat. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, so I'll just get started. Uh, Wolf 14 Solutions is a material science company developing silicon-based anode materials, a subcomponent for lithium-ion battery cells. The use of our materials enables battery cell manufacturers to increase the energy density of their battery cells by up to 30% and lower the normalized cost of their battery packs by up to 20% which is absolutely massive, given that battery pack systems continue to make up 20 to 30% of the cost of an entire electric vehicle, and that the gross profit margins of battery cell manufacturers have halved over the last five years due to severe downward pressure on battery prices. Compared to other battery materials companies, we have a number of key differentiators. First, we offer best-in-class performance, and we enable this by using a far higher silicon content than the commercial state-of-art. Secondly, we are a drop-in solutions. Battery cell manufacturers can use our material in existing production lines with their existing infrastructure with close to minimal process optimizations or changes to manufacturing workflow. And finally, we have very unique scalability. Traditional approaches towards silicon anodes involves high energy, novel nanofabrication techniques. We completely eliminate these and offer the same scalability as current graphite-based systems. This distinctive combination of best-in-class performance as well as intrinsic scalability gives us a price point that beats the current graphite-based cost curve, not just today, but for the coming decade. Currently, our 
out of Bolt 14 has ongoing material qualifications with leading companies in the electric vehicles, smartphone, power tools, and consumer appliance spaces. Uh, we have strategic partnerships with leading chemical trading company, which gives us access to seven out of 10 of the world's largest battery makers, representing 40% of the global battery production capacity. We have a team with a cumulative of 50 years of nanomaterials R&D experience, which rich experience in battery R&D, as well as lab to high volume manufacturing scale up capabilities. Uh, we have a strong suit of investors as we are an alumni of the Accelerator Entrepreneur First and our existing investors include 500, three funds of 500 startups, as well as the corporate venture arm of the Hong Kong government. Uh, that's our pitch. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you so much, Animesh. Um, and now we would like to invite the panelists to share their thoughts um, on this. So Maggie, would you like to go first? Sure, thank you for that. Um, you mentioned a 20% reduction in cost. Is that in manufacturing or just materials? Uh, primarily in materials. So effectively what we are doing, the main idea of how this works is by increasing the energy density of these battery cells, you besides the cathode cost, you in a way reduce the bomb included with you know the casings, the pack level of mm -hmm. materials, and so on. So it's mostly bomb. Mostly what? I'm sorry, I missed that last. Uh, part. bomb. The materials. The build materials. Okay. Yes. Okay. Stephanie, go ahead. Hi. Thanks, Catherine. So. Animesh, what you said that you have already partnerships um, with a, a chemical company. Do you also have partnerships or are you in discussions or have interests from vehicle manufacturers or any vehicle OEMs? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. So we are the chemical company I mentioned is a chemical trading company. So they are more of a distribution partner for us from a go to market perspective. But we have very strong qualification tests already initiated with a number of, I would say, top five car companies. Uh, one of the top three electric vehicle battery makers, as well as uh, one Japanese car company. Okay, and I'll ask a follow-up question as well. How, how far into the development are you with your batteries uh, technology? So when, when would the soonest battery be available for, uh, for use? Uh, so currently we are lab scale based. Um, so right now, so just to make it clear, we only are the lab, we are only a battery materials company. So we are going to work with these guys to develop themselves with them that enters into production whenever they want to enter into production. But we are looking at entering into a pilot scale of kind of, kind of trial and testing towards the end of this year, where on a pilot line, a few hundred, a few thousand of these battery cells will be made and will undergo through their evaluation process and so on. Bruce, would you like to go next? Yes, thanks, Animesh, for the, for the pitch there. Um, I have a question about what you mentioned about the uh, fabrication um, of this material. You mentioned it's uh, not done with the high energy uh, nanotechnology type of fabrication method that uh, is being employed by different competitors, perhaps, in this space. I'm curious to hear about uh, what is unique about your um, fabrication method, and um, uh, can you tell a little bit more about that? Uh, sure, Bruce. Uh, so 
our so one thing is that we are not a maker of silicon active material we make the entire anode stack so our, so our product so to say is the anode slurry which includes the active material and the conductive agents the binders the additives the whole thing our technology is really is basically when you coat and dry this material the elastic mesh that is created that is where a lot of attack lies so a lot of attack does lie on the additive side on the binder side on the uh, conductive material side Right, thanks. Maggie, would you like to go next? Yeah, unless I, unless Remy's going, I'm, I don't want to go out of turn here. Um, you mentioned the drop-in manufacturing capability. Have you tested this in commercial um, manufacturing processes? The reason I ask is silicon has many different properties than your typical graphite. In fact, it's really kind of hard to um, compress at times just based on the structure. Oh yeah, that's a pretty good question. So that's one of the main reasons why we have chosen to make the whole stack as compared to just, you know, give them, I would say, post-process silicon or just conductive materials and so on. So that's one of the main reasons why we give a slurry. So we have not done it at a customer site, but we have attempted roll-to-roll -roll coating in our own lab. And clearly that requires optimization, but that is something that is done. We are actually engineering this anode stack in such a way that, you know, uh, the electrodes form well, uh, adhere to the collector foil properly. It can be, you know, pressed to different densities. Uh, it can be, in a way, stacked with regular cathode materials and rolled and so on. And because we're giving the entire anode stack, the customer does not have to deal with, you know, the, the dispersion issues, the uh, matching with different kind of solvents and all the whole thing. Does that um, add to the cost of the final product that you're giving to, let's say, a manufacturer? So the entire cost of the anode will be competitive with what the cost of the entire, I would say, the composite is for the customer, which includes the conductive materials and so on. So anode composite for anode composite, we remain competitive, but obviously the whole stack will be more expensive than just the silicon active material. Right, okay. Uh, so, Animesh, what, what, how, how do you intend to protect this intellectual property? Uh, what do you currently have and what do you plan to have in the near future? Yep, uh, so we have a PCT application filing which is publicly disclosed. We have a very strong written opinion on it which is entering into national filings. Uh, this current patent covers a lot of the formulation. Uh, and again, this includes very, very broad, I would say, definitions of what parameters are used. So like just copying the patent, uh, you won't get very far with that. Then we obviously have additional USPTO filings on the way, which covers parts of the processes. Then internally, we retain, not in form of patents, but in terms of trade secrets, a lot of optimizations, a lot of tweaks that we have made that is very, very important to make it work. Any, any plans to, to patent the material instead? Because it sounds like you guys are building something new. Am I wrong to say that? Uh, so, yes, yeah, so the current patent does, in a way, deal with the formulation of the material. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it does not really go very deep into the specifications of the material itself. But the broad, I would say, class of materials we are working with is covered by our existing patent. All right, got it. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much, panelists. Are there any other final questions you'd like to ask, Animesh? I'll ask one final question. Uh, so on, on the charging side, Animesh, what improvements on the C-rate will your technology bring what, that you're anticipating? 
And can you talk about also in terms of, you know, when charging, what kind of improvements on heat dissipation? Tell me a little bit more on the, the charging side of the battery. Yep. Uh, so on the charging side, so there are two aspects of it. One is the C rate itself and the rate capability aspect of it. So I can't give the numbers right now, but we have actually done rate capabilities still 2C, 3C, even 5C. And uh, a lot of it is, has been of sufficient interest to our customers to let them continue working with us. Uh, in terms of things like heat dissipation, now this does require a lot of cell level engineering, which is something that still needs to be done with, I would say, whoever we start co-developing our battery cells with. So this will be a bit of a collaborative process with the cell development partner we work with and Vol 14. Great, thank you. Animash, I, I have another question. Um, perhaps Maggie with her manufacturing uh, background and experience can also pitch in. Um, my question is more on your choice for um, this, uh, the full stack product rather than just a slurry. Um, so could you a little bit elaborate what your um, from maybe a product side, what you, what you think you will be able to add to the whole uh, battery uh, electrode stack um, industry, um, and or like if you have like a very novel and value uh, adding uh, product as that electrode stack, or is it be, is it a um, value capture decision why you uh, go for the whole stack rather than just a slurry? I'm curious uh, about your thinking here. Uh, it's a bit of both. So the value, uh, one aspect as you hit the, I would say the uh, hammer on the head is that it's a bit of a value capture because as I think Maggie alluded to using just buying silicon active material as as there are a number of, I would say, promising startups doing pretty much very impressive work, but it does involve a lot of optimization. It does involve a lot of engineering and know-how that is required to make these anode work, this active material work at an anode level. Uh, we have done a lot of work to basically optimize it, and that is a part of the value that we're looking to capture. And what was the other half of your question? No, that, that was basically the question. What, is it because yeah. you think in this way you can uh, capture more value for yourself? Like obviously you can yeah. charge so more that is, yes. money so that when is, you provide yeah. more stack? So that mm -hmm. is, I would say, value capture is one, I would say, aspect of thinking about it. And, and another thing is that uh, there is a certain, I would say, friction involved with adopting, given that it is a very crowded space, there is a fair amount of friction that is comes in from a customer side when you send in material, it doesn't work, or they, a lot of this R&D process has to be done by them. But we give them a ready-made process that requires more or less slight variation and tweaks based on how their production line or what their, I would say, coating and drying processes are. It makes this whole process a lot more easier for everyone. Right. Maggie, maybe maybe asking you uh, you this here. Um, would would you agree um, from your manufacturing background or experience that this is something that uh, cell manufacturers are very keen on this kind of partnership rather than just the raw material? Uh, yeah, it depends on the manufacturing process and what they're capable of doing and their their limitations with processing this material. It is easier sometimes to outsource everything, but everything doesn't kind of come together like Legos all the time. Um, so it's definitely a a partnership that needs to happen to to make something like this happen. Um, and unfortunately, there's different equipment everywhere too. So it's not an easy. Yes, this works all the time. Um, it's all going to be dependent on how the the manufacturing lines are set up. Yeah, I think that's quite spot on because uh, even minor variations in how each equipment, even how they're deployed, has a huge difference. So that is actually a co-development model is what we are gunning for. Great, thank you so much, Animesh and the panelists. Animesh, just one last question for you. Do you need 
Uh, what kind of support do you need from the audience or the panelists? Is, is any um, anything that you would like to address? I mean, as uh, I was saying early stage startups, we are always looking to work with more companies, uh, be it through battery cell makers, be it through materials makers, be it through companies that have an interest in making better batteries and then getting back to their partners who are cell makers. So we're really open to all power to speaking to all parties in the entire. Great, thanks for that. So if any of the panelists or anyone in the audience could help with this, please feel free to connect with Animesh um, during the general Q&A session after, after all, all the setups have pitched. Um, so let's go around the stage right now for the panelists to share on a scale of one to 10, how investable is um, Animesh startup Vault 14? So Bruce, take it away. All right, um, I'm, I'm just gonna say a number. I'm gonna say 7.5. Um, the reason being, I think there's there's more headroom um, and a little bit of um, wariness from my side, uh, because uh, like you mentioned yourself as well, Animesh, there's a, already players ahead, basically, that have uh, very well-developed materials. So um, CELA4, for example, there's others also out there in the space that are on the material side and also cell manufacturing, perhaps already ahead of where you guys are uh, to capture the, the influx in the market uh, more rapidly. Uh, but I think, um, so that, that's, that's a downside. Um, I think there is uh, still um, room in the market. And I think um, if you're able to provide the things you're saying in terms of the performance, I think there's definitely potential for perhaps another player in the full stack development um, somewhere in the, in the industry. Thanks for that, Bruce. Maggie, you're up next. Sure, I agree with Bruce, and I almost am going to follow him in the 7.5. However, based on the quality of the patents and the intellectual property, that might go up because I would look at it more from a licensing opportunity versus a manufacturing one. Perfect. Remy? Yeah, um, I, I would generally agree with, uh, with Maggie and Bruce, um, but I think my score will probably be nearing six. Uh, really because um, on top of everything that they mentioned, uh, the other major concern or major potential concern for me is on how uh, the most cutting-edge battery technologies may be displacing you guys sooner rather than later. So stuff like solid-state batteries, for example, uh, are somewhere on the horizon as far as where deep tech is concerned. So how sustainable is this company beyond the next three to five years uh, is, is a question on my mind as well. Thanks for that. Last but not least, Stephanie. Hi, Animesh. So really enjoyed your pitch. It's really great that you you came up here and, and gave us a little spin. So I'm going to go with a seven. Again, I, I always look at things on the, the charging side. So seeing that it, this is quite a, a new technology, and I believe you still have a long way to go in terms of testing and, and proving before you have data that you can actually take to OEMs, uh, vehicle OEMs, and you know battery manufacturers as well to, to really prove it. And also seeing, like the other panelists mentioned, that the technology itself, there are other technologies that will have, or at least claim to have better efficiencies and, and lower costs. But overall, I think what for me to bring my seven up to a higher number and, and to give you a little you know pieces of advice is of course, get that, that testing done as soon as possible and then partner and network as much as much as possible with the key players in the industry, you know, go to the car, the vehicle OEMs, you know, get them excited about your technology. 
Um, I know you already have some some interest that you mentioned, so that's great. Keep on doing that. I think that's that's really good. So a little bit of a long way, but just just keep at it. Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. And I also want to say a big applause to Animesh, being our first first person to pitch on the battery den ever. So that's a I know it can be quite daunting. I think you did a really great job. And I think yeah, some you know, some some good questions, some good advice, and you know, maybe something to follow up on with some people. So hopefully you had a good time as well, Animesh. Any last words you would like to say? Otherwise we're gonna move on. Uh, thanks a lot. I think I mean a lot of I like a, a lot of these are questions that we have to answer. I think uh, you know perhaps I'll touch base with each of you and uh, have a deeper chat. But thanks a lot for your feedback, guys. Thank you so much, Animesh. Yeah, and well done. And um, yeah, without further ado, we're going to go to our next startup, and we already see there's already two new people on the panel. Uh, um, that's Fatme and Mariam, and they're the two co-founders of High Persis. And very excited for them to to give their pitch and. As before, Catherine, we're going to play the, the starting sound. And as soon as the bell rings and the door um, closes, you're ready to go. Catherine. Thanks, uh, Simon. So hello, everyone. So the battery market, because of of all the opportunities it offers is becoming a new area of inter international competition. Far behind China, Europe now seems determined to catch up in this, this strategic field. Battery technology are one of the pillars of the energy transition. The battery market represents a major economic challenge. Global demand for batteries in gigawatt hour is expected to increase tenfold between 2022 2020 and 2030. In terms of value, the, the European market alone could be worth 250 billion euros per year by 2025. The development of a European battery industry is therefore a priority to enable the European Union to ensure its uh, tra energy transition and defend its economic interest. Lithium-ion batteries have been by far the most successful system due to their high, higher energy storage performances, good life cycle, and lighter weight. So today, lithium-ion battery technology has reached 27% of its commercially achievable cell limit for energy density. Acquiring the remaining 13% will be costly and slow with very limited returns on investment. Current market demand, however, requires continued reduction in the cost of the batteries with a continuous increase in their performance and safety. Hypersys is an early-stage deep tech startup born in France, is developing lithium sulfur and silicon sulfur batteries with theoretical specific energies that are five times higher than that of today's commercial lithium-ion batteries. Hypersys electrodes are designed based on a new architecture, a destructive approach regarding commercial lithium-ion batteries, using highest capacity available active materials that are cheap, abundant, and environmentally friendly. Hypersys electrodes are made with sample, sample scalable techniques and, and are easily assembled into high-energy and power-density lithium-ion cells. 
So to have an example, the electrode is like white structure with silicon or uh, sulfur nanoparticles replacing uh, the cobalt or the graphite uh, actually, actually used uh, in commercial batteries. And uh, the electrodes are free of binders and additive, which are essential in commercial battery, but add significant, significant dead weight in the cells, about 20%, and require toxic solvents processing. So currently, uh, yeah, so currently Hypersys is passing through an incubation stage at Dry uh, Innovation Center. So that's it. Thank you very much, uh, Mariam and Fatma as well. Um, who would like to go first of the, um, from the room? Maggie? Sure. Thank you for that. Um, a lot of interest in lithium sulfur and some other, <clears throat> other chemistries. Where are you right now in this technology? Are you just exploring materials or have you tested your materials in a, a working in, in situ in a battery? So now we have a functional prototype. It's a coin cell uh, at lab scale. So uh, we are now at lab scale and the idea is to have our own pilot scale and to start the testing uh, uh, with a pouch cell. Okay, thank you. I'll let somebody else. Stephanie, would you like to go next? Yes, thank you. Uh, hi, Mariam, and uh, thank you so much for your, your pitch. So what applications are you targeting with your technology? Where do you think that your technology is going to be really, really um, either a big niche or very interesting for? Uh, so now um, we are in the process. We are contact, contacting uh, people uh, to, uh, to see um, like what we have the specification of our batteries and to know which market to target. So, so we have uh, an idea, so it will be like special, spe specialized market such as uh, military or um, robots or drones. So this is our uh, first uh, market entry maybe. Okay, and I'll, I'll add a follow-up question to that please. So. Why, why are you targeting these? Is it because these, look, these types of applications, um, they, they need more lightweight batteries because the, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about, if you can, obviously, if, you know, why, why you're targeting these industries and why you think your technology would be best suited for, for these? So, uh, so, you know, for, um, like, uh, so, how to say, so the military, they don't ask like long cycle life and to have a first entry market. So to, to know if we have a long cycle life, we need to do a long testing. So for now we have like 500 and very high energy density and like um, military market, they are asking about uh, just uh, more energy. So they don't, doesn't, uh, don't care about the like cycle life for the battery, for instance. Thank you. Thanks, Bruce. Would you like to ask another question? Yes. Uh, hi, Miriam. Um, I'm curious. Um, 
the research that you've been doing, has it been in partnership with a industrial partner or has it all been um, driven by the, just by the, uh, the lab and the university? No, it's only academic. So it's uh, it started with my thesis at the Ecole Polytechnique at, uh, in France. Right. And have you uh, talked to any um, industrial partners or have, have they looked at the, at the, some of the research data that you've uh, gathered as of yet? Have they shown interest? We want to, actually. So uh, we are looking for uh, partners to 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 have a more um, a specific idea about the business model we can go through right i have, I have a question about the the technology as well i think i'm i'm not as well versed in the lithium sulfur um chemistry but i am well aware that uh, dendritic growth could be an issue um is that something you have uh, already encountered in your coin cell making um, and do you have an, um, and swelling too? Um, have you seen that in your, uh, experiments so far and have you been able to mitigate those issues? Uh, maybe I can speak here. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, it's, it seems that it's not being a very, uh, big issue with us because we are, uh, working. I don't know if Maria mentioned that, but we are work. We are we are decorating uh, active material on carbon nanotubes, and we have uh, a certain technique we are following to prevent uh, a lot of sulfur uh, leaving the um, electrode. Uh, so I can't speak a lot about that. It's, it's a bit confidential, but yeah, we're trying to solve this issue. Thank you. Thanks for that. Um, Remy, do you have any questions for this? Uh, yeah, hi, hi Marin. Um, so so how, how far, or rather, when do you guys expect the first product to be in the market? Um, and what's the expected go-to-market strategy when the time comes around? Um, well, we don't expect a product uh, in two years because uh, um, to build the um, so we are we we have uh, we are not following the same uh, production process that commercial uh, batteries are following. We have a completely different uh, production process. Uh, so in order to uh, go to a slightly uh, larger or upscale our uh, electrodes, we need to rebuild uh, or upscale our reactors. And this will take at least a year and a half if whenever we. Uh, Ha, um, fundraise and we have like uh, funds so yeah and then we have to test our um, product so yeah not before two years got it and then as a quick follow-up question uh, do you currently have such expertise uh, in, in terms of those challenges that you just mentioned do you have such expertise in-house already or do you need to raise funds and also onboard some of these um, experts in these areas um Sorry, I didn't get your question. Expertise in? Yeah, so so effectively you mentioned two or three key challenges. So for example, bringing it from a bench to, to, uh, to production um, capacity. And yeah. uh, do you have such expertise in-house as of today? And it's a matter of execution. 
um, or are you also looking to bring in the experts who can then help you? Uh, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. Of course, we would. Um, this is one of the things that we are aiming for, like uh, have uh, the help and the, the um, yeah, from expertise and this, like especially, um, for instance, um, we need uh, expertise and help uh, that would help us in pilot scale, for instance, uh, some uh, expertise in, I don't know, industrialization. So uh, this is something we are, we are seeking for. Even for instance, now we are in incubation period. Um, we would also appreciate like kind of a mentorship that's in, in, in the battery um, um, industry that could just mentor us and follow our work. That would be really appreciated. Brilliant. Thank because you. because we have ex we have experts that following us follow that will be following our business part our financial etc but not on the um, industrialization of the batteries. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Fabian and Mario, and the panelists. Thanks a lot. So, so the big question um, on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> how investable is the startup? Bruce, please take it away. Sure. I would say um, the startup um, is at this point uh, for me uh, investable in number four. But let me uh, elaborate. I think in, uh, it's not only the startup you're investing in, um, but I think also the team and the founders. And I think both of you are very passionate about this. And I think there's a lot of potential um, with the technology. Obviously, I, do, I have to uh, look into and see how the, the, the technology matures more as you go from the bench top to a pilot scale. But I think you guys are at a, a very, very uh, exciting stage. And um, I'm very happy to see uh, that you out of the lab are thinking about commercialization. I think there's a very promising uh, path ahead of you. Um, so I tell you to, uh, or I encourage you to keep going at it. And exactly as you mentioned, which is a super good insight, find mentorship um, that can help you strengthen your team in the areas that you don't have the expertise in yourself. So I think the startup at this point, because you're so early stage and there's a lot of question marks in my front, uh, I wouldn't rate too high, but I think the, uh, the two of you and the team, the passion, I would rate with a nine. Thank you so much, Bruce. Maggie, you're up next. Thank you. Very good uh, presentation. I'm excited for you guys. I'd say probably a three to four at this point from a monetary investment. I think you're very early stage, still in an incubator. Um, I Just some tips, I'd watch your intellectual property since you did work on this at a university, make sure you own what you can own. And also maybe try even smaller things than um, drones, like getting maybe a commercial electronic application where you could test your cells in there and really um, characterize them and figure out where the kinks are before you go larger. Um, and then there's plenty of pilot um, scaled uh, places that you could go to where you could then, you know, put this technology into um, into production. But I I think there's a place for every technology in, in the battery space. So I applaud that you're looking at lithium sulfur um, and keep going and excited to, to follow you guys. Thanks, Maggie. Remy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, hi, hi, folks. Um... I'm actually rating it a little bit higher this time around. I thought you guys were on a six on the investable scale. So it might be because um, we do very early stage investment. And the, the things that I really like about you guys, um, definitely very, very passionate. 
and having the very requisite technical expertise. Uh, I abs particularly absolutely love how coachable the founders are. And I thought that's extremely important. Um, the Having already thought through what are some of the commercial um, potential, even at such an early stage, is, is very interesting. And, and um, I thought it was pretty impressive. Uh, you know, it's really, or six right now, really, because as the rest of the panelists have mentioned, you guys are a bit early stage. Uh, so just continue growing the team, continue working at it. I'm sure you get there somewhere. Thank you. Thanks, Remy. Hey, Stephanie. So thanks, Mariam and Fatme. So I'm going to rate on the lower side and I'll give a three. Um, so first of all, of course, it's very early stage, but it's really good that you're already aware of the applications and you're already also thinking about the commercialization. So maybe your commercial plan is not fully mapped out and you know you don't know yet 100% where you want to target. but I'd really suggest, like the other panelists mentioned, that you, you have to start thinking about that now and, and setting yourself up. Um, and I mentioned before, you know, making those connections, making sure that you're in the industry and getting also excitement from the industries that you're, you're starting to, to target. So again, I'm not very fully aware of this, of this space, uh, so I don't have specific feedback on the technology piece. Um, but I, again, I urge you to really hammer down on your commercial plan and also start making those those connections in that space and getting excitement. Thank you, Stephanie, and thank you all. And also thank you, Fatma and Mariam, for this really well done pitch. And um, yeah, we're lo now looking forward, just looking at time. We're going to go straight to the next um, presenter. It's going to be Mariam, the CEO of Posenex. And I'll let Catherine play this, uh, the sound and then get started. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's so lovely to be here. I'm Miriam and I head up commercialization at Pulsenix. At Pulsenix, we extract a battery's unique fingerprint in order to characterize its state of health when in operation. As we all know, batteries, they behave dynamically, but even more so when they're operating at their high industrial power levels. And that's why when a battery fails, it's extremely challenging to pinpoint the source of failure and hence, to reverse its effects both in the design and the operations of the battery. At Pulsenix, we've developed the world's first-of-its-kind hardware that non-invasively isolates for sources of performance loss while a battery is operating at its industrial power levels. We own the IP for our technique, which works by injecting non-disruptive energy signals into a battery and measuring its response back. And what that does is reveal previously inaccessible insights on the dominant electrochemical reactions happening inside of the battery in real time. Some meaningful applications for our inline characterization capabilities include, number one, speeding up the rate of decision-making for design decisions relate, related to scaling up of batteries from the bench scale to the industrial scale. And number two, decreasing scrap rates in the quality assurance process for end-of-line manufacturing. We're a company that was born out of about 10 years of R&D into electrochemical optimization techniques, and we're on a mission to enable the deployment and operations of the most cost and energy efficient electrochemical operations at scale. Thank you so much for your time, and I welcome your questions. Thank you, Mariam. Maggie, would you like to go first? Sure, thank you. 
Um, where in the process are you uh, looking at the battery? I couldn't understand if you were looking at it from the production or from an operation standpoint. That's a great question, Maggie. So um, the capabilities of our hardware enable inline characterization, which means that it, it could plug onto a battery uh, in a plug and play fa fashion, both in the design and scale up process, but also when you go into operations. Um, right now we've deployed with two energy storage companies with the application of scaling up their design. And in the future, we're looking at integrating the um, capabilities for onboard energy management within vehicles, but also for uh, lar large scale energy storage applications. And if I could follow up, is, mm -hmm. is this more for performance enhancement or detecting potential issues like impurities or lithium um, plating dendrite formation? At the moment, at the stage of commercialization we're at, it would be the latter. But in the okay. future, we would be able to develop controls um, in a closed-loop fashion that would allow you to enhance perform performance autonomously. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much. Does any other panelists have any questions? Uh, if I can go. Um, Mariam, uh, thank you for that pitch. That's really lovely. Um, I have a question about two things. First of all, the, the tech. Well, you said um, you are... Um, sending or pulsing uh, some type of energy uh, waves. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more about uh, what exactly uh, that means and what signal you're expecting to receive and how you translate that into a meaningful information? Yeah, that's a great question, Bruce. So um, the, the technique we're using has been used in labs for years and years, about 50 years. It's called impedance spectroscopy. But the problem was, that there was this age-old technical limitation that doesn't allow this technique to scale beyond the small lab scale, you know, a cell in a beaker type of experiment. But it's such a powerful technique because it uses uh, non-disruptive frequency response signals injected into a process in order to isolate or deconvolute all of the sources of performance loss within a cell. And so what we've done at Pulsenix is we've essentially scaled up that process, removed the technical limitations that allows you to perform this sort of spectroscopy from a small bench scale to the industrial power level without losing any of the accuracy, but also uh, with allowing us to have a bias towards scale with that type of data. So the data that we receive in its raw format is essentially a deconvolution of all of the resistances for each um, kind of component. So say the electrolyte, how is the concentration changing over time every five seconds? What's mm -hmm. happening to the surface of the electrode every five seconds for each of the cells within a stack? And so if you're a researcher, you can make design decisions solely on the raw data that you're gathering. No extra analytics um, required. But once you go into the field and you're an OEM, um, you would require some uh, analytics in order to autonomously make controls for an onboard energy management. And that's where our machine learning pipeline and commercialization goals are going towards next. Does, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely, it does. Okay. Um, and I do have a follow-up question because I get the, the appeal um, and why this is relevant. Um, okay. uh, about the uh, onboard um, monitoring, 
I'm curious what kind of what would the price point be of the of the hardware and would it and the follow up to that is uh would you think you make money from the sale of hardware or would it be some kind of subscription based um business model where um for as long as the the device is in a vehicle or in an application you, you also get recurring revenue yeah that's a great question um in terms of the onboard energy management i understand that oems have quite tight margins and so it would have to be a volumes play at the moment we sell the hardware um, and software analytics package on a subscription basis for manufacturers of technologies that they're scaling up and to date we've closed um, commercial contracts of up to five hundred thousand um, dollars in commercial value um, canadian dollars sorry not usd um, with two energy storage applications and you'd mentioned bruce an interesting uh, topic in terms of a dendritic um, growth being an issue for battery developers and that was actually the biggest challenge faced by our first client uh, we went on on site for a paid pilot in november with that client and within three days of being there they'd closed a commercial contract with us because the visibility they gathered when running their systems and gathering that type of individuated data on their systems allowed them to understand why their systems were failing to meet application requirements. Very Thanks so much, Rose and Maria. Thank you. Um, Stephanie and Remy, do you have any questions? Hi, Maryam. So I have a question. It's Stephanie. I Tell me about your competitors in this space and who's doing things that are similar and how uh, sorry, I don't want to know about the competitors, but are there competitors and how do you, do you, how does your solution differentiate according to them? Definitely. So there are always different types of um, characterization techniques out there, especially for batteries and especially onboard vehicles. We're the only ones that are able to gather the type of data that individuates performance loss without any sort of analytics on top of that using that impedance spectroscopy technique. And so we own the IP for that technique for all applications of electrochemistry, not just within batteries. Um, and then in terms of, sorry, I, I know you had a, a separate question. I'm, I'm not sure if I answered it. No, that was the essence oh, of my question. Compare. Okay. Sorry, the comparison. Yeah, exactly. How do you compare and how do you differentiate according to that? Yeah. So the type of data we gather has a huge bias towards scale because it's individuated and it's real time. And what I, what I mean when I say individuated is you're able to have visibility into not just an average performance metric um, of a cell or stack, but actual um, understanding of all of the different sources of performance loss for every single component, even within a cell. So an electrolyte, a membrane, and an electrode which allows you um, to, to scale up analytics with, um, with techniques like machine learning in order to just get more out of the data that you're gathering in a real-time fashion. Thank you so much. Uh, Remy, do you have any questions? Yeah, um, just a quick one. So um, from, from what they've described, it sounds like um, you do need to change the form factor of the batteries. And um, if, if that's the case, does it also mean that your customers will have to relook really at the battery design uh, in order to use the solution? That's a great question, Rami. So at the moment, um, 
for specific applications where we're plugging on to the pilot scale, you know, stacks or reactors for electrochemical battery developers, we don't need to change anything. So you plug you plug the hardware on um, within three minutes. You turn on the probe, um, which is our hardware. You connect it to Wi-Fi, and then you start gathering and looking at your data in real time on our dashboard. So that's how we do it at the moment. Um, in the future, we will have to miniaturize our hardware for onboard analytics within a vehicle. But the way in which we can do it is not to integrate within a battery because that would introduce heat issues and other kind of mechanical issues. How we'd like to do it is to have it be a separate uh, device that just connects to uh, the BMS controls of a battery uh, while electrically connecting to a battery pack, um, you know, and using wires or in an electrical fashion. And that way it's still a plug and play. You don't have to change the mechanical form factor of your battery, but you're still gathering the data you, you're looking to gather. And, and that makes maintenance a lot easier. Thank you so much, Mariam. So on a scale of one to 10, Bruce, how investable is this startup? Um, I'd say seven. I think um, the technology is very interesting. Um, EIS in itself isn't um, an innovative uh, technique per se, but I think um, it could be uh, if deployed in the right way and if it's truly a plug and play kind of system, I think for especially for the um, uh, stationary energy storage, I think there's a lot of potential. I think for the uh, OEMs in the EV market, it might be difficult to get in between there and be uh, from an inspect, uh, investor point of view, um, the risk is that the you're going to be kind of squeezed out uh, because there are only a handful of large uh, clients uh, like the Volkswagens and the Teslas that also have their own um, engineering divisions that could, uh, I think at this point, uh, perhaps replicate a similar system. Uh, but maybe your IP can protect that. But, um, uh, I'm curious um, how that IP play, plays out. But at this point, I think that the potential is there, uh, but you have to think about how you position yourself against the larger OEMs. Great, thanks. So very quickly, Maggie, what, what are your thoughts? Yep, 8.5. 8 I love that you have own all the IP in the electrochemical space. Uh, impedance, I love that you've characterized. That's always been a challenge with the anode. Um, never been able to, to get that part out of it. Um, and I think in stationary, there's a huge, huge advantage to having a technology like this to um, even if you have just a couple extra minutes before something goes wrong in the battery to detect it. So um, I think this is a, uh, a great technology and excited to see um, where you guys go. Thanks. Remy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with an eight. Um, and absolutely, the, the technology seems very interesting. Uh, on the stationary side, there's definitely a lot of um, very important use cases to be unveiled. And uh, the, I mean, the fact that you guys have already $500 Canadian dollars worth of um, contracts coming in just proves that there's a lot of commercial validation. So from an investor point of view, I think uh, there's the technical and the financial risk are uh, uh, de-risk. Thanks, Remy. Stephanie, what are your thoughts? So I rate an eight. So I definitely see there's a market for this technology on, on operation and serviceability. You, you know, you're touching upon um, remote diagnostics for, for mobile. There's an application, but 
for me, I, I really see this as, as stationary as energy storage, especially for remote uh, batteries, energy storage systems. And um, so it's, yeah, I think there's, you've done a great job so far and you yourself as an entrepreneur, Miriam, you're definitely investable. I like your passion. I like your clear knowledge in the industry and you did a good overall pitch. So thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. And thank you very much, Miriam, for this really fantastic pitch and presentation. And um, yeah, looking forward to, to have you back in the, in the Q&A in the end. Okay, then without any further ado, we're going to go to Nihal, the founder of Recycle Battery, a bit of a different organization, but very excited for your pitch. So Catherine, please play the sound and then let's go. Can you guess, can you guess what percentage of people around the world know that batteries should be put inside battery bins and not just the trash? What do you think? Maybe 30%, 40%, or maybe 50%. But actually, it's 1%. I repeat, 1%. That's right. Only 1% of the people around the world know about the proper battery recycling process. And I think that's something we can change. Hello, my name is Srini Atamana. I'm a 12-year-old, and I want to talk about my interest in batteries. So it all started on my 10th birthday, which was special in more ways than one. So my dad lets me to keep up with things that are happening in the world. And he said that since now I'm a 10-year-old and I'm growing into a young adult, I should start watching the news with him daily so I would know what's going on all around the world. So that night, I sat beside him to watch the news, and then a story was displayed on the news of which a lithium-ion battery completely exploded in a waste disposal plant in California. It caused unimaginable damage. It costed millions of dollars worth of damage. I clearly remember watching all of the chaos and everything occur on the day of my birthday, and it was very scary to see. So my friends and I were all obsessed with drones at that time, and we all know that drones run on rechargeable lithium-ion batteries. So after I realized this, I made a quick connection between both these items, and I was shocked. How could my cool little toy potentially lead to massive problems like this? I turned around to my dad and asked him, can anybody do something about this? He answered by saying, yes, it's possible, but many people may be watching the news right now and they wouldn't do anything to help. My dad saw played in my mind. After researching as much as I could and talking to many other people about these challenges, I realized that the issue isn't necessarily with batteries themselves, but what we do with them after they have been used. After, as I mentioned before, around 15 billion batteries are thrown away across the world every year. Of these, billions end up in landfills where the chemicals can cause bad pollution and even fires. So what's the solution to this? Well, I'm a realist, and I know that batteries are incredibly useful. After all, I use them every single day, and so do you, your friends, your family, and basically everybody in the world. I certainly don't want to stop playing with drone, and people still need to use their phones, iPads, and electric cars. Can you imagine not using these things for one day? I can't. That means batteries not going away. It just wouldn't work trying to stop using them. The answer is recycling. That is when I decided to step up and help Mother Earth by setting a non-profit organization, recycling my battery, to help educate the ill effects on throwing used batteries in the trash, and to also offer safe battery bins with the help of Cotter Recycle. So where are we now? Well, our bins have collected more than 75,000 precious batteries. Recycling my battery now has over 75 plus kids 
we're helping us out with the plan. And we're aiming to draw this even more. We've even managed to educate over 1 million plus adults about the initiative. I just want to end this with my slogan. If I can make Earth a better place to live, you can. If you can make Earth a better place to live, we all can. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nini, for this fantastic um, presentation. Bruce? Uh, yes, so many thoughts. Thank you so much for that, uh, for that pitch. Actually, it felt more like a, a story. I was very much engaged. Very, very, very well done. I think. Yeah, thank uh, you so much. <laughs> yeah, you could be uh, uh, on Audible, like uh, reading books as well. I would, I would read, uh, listen to you every day. So that's really impressive. <laughs> um, I, I have one other question, or a question actually. Uh, are you uh, combining this with school, and how is it going? Yeah, we have been combining this to schools because kids are our future. So we combine combine this organization with many schools. So many kids are helping us out after I talk to schools about this issue. Awesome. And I'm curious, um, among, your, uh, among the other kids that are involved, uh, what are their motiva motivations for uh, helping out? It's motivation because everybody wants appreciation. So every month or so, I, I appreciate all the kids. And then this motivates them. And they tend to work much and much harder to get all of the appreciation they need. Amazing. Thank you. Mickey, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I don't, uh, you have a very bright future. And I think we all have bright futures because of people like you. Um, curious as to your geographical reach and how we can help you. So I have a small request for you on how you can help us. So please do recycle your used batteries properly, because only you can make a difference to our Mother Earth. Copy that. Currently, we're, we're only in the United States of America, but we want to expand this organization around the world so everybody can know about this battery recycling organization. And the 15 billion batteries thrown away every year can be reduced down to zero. So everybody would know about the proper battery recycling process and they would recycle their used batteries properly. Thank you, Stephanie. Would you like to connect? Yeah, Nihal, you're, you're great. I'm so happy that you came and, and to speak to us today. So really, really passionate for, for a 12 year old, but as you know, regardless of age. So thank you so much for that. Um, yeah. I'm curious, are about how do you get your message across? Do you do speaking events? Do you, um, you know, partner with organizations? Like, how do you get your message across? And, and also a follow-up question to Maggie's, like, how can we help you? Or what's the ask here of how can we get your message across? It's a super important message for sure. So how do we help you to get that across? So like we basically organize webinars. So we talk in webinars, live events, so people can spread the message all across the United States of America. So we have expanded all over the United States of America due to webinars, uh, uh, blogs, educational videos. So and also we did presentations at, at stores, so kids will tell their parents, and their parents will tell more and more people about this. And that is how we're expanding all over the United States of America. Great, that's awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Femi.
Hi, Sri. Wow. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm just, um, I'm just overwhelmed by uh, everything that you have told us, and you know what, what you're trying to do to save Mother Earth. Um, and I, I thought this is just fantastic. Uh, my, my question to you is, where, where do you want to bring this? Right. Um, if you are assuming you are really pitching in front of Dragon's Den right now, asking for five, ten million dollars, where would you take this? How, how would you want to expand this? And of course, how can we help you? Uh, I think that's been asked. Right now in the United States of America, Cotter Recycle is helping us out for free. But to expand this all over the globe, we have more we have to partner with more companies and also plus shipping the battery bins to the other countries costs a lot of money. So that's why we have to partner with other companies so we can transport battery bins to all over the world. Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. Yeah. And I mean, I think you've all blown us away. And, you know, I kind of knew it from a bit before. Also looking at your website, I can definitely recommend to have a look for that Recycle My Battery. Um, you know, there's a lot of really nice information on there and really impressive work you're all doing with your organization. So I want to say a really big thank you. If there's anyone else who wants to kind of provide any, I guess it's not like an investable story, really, you know, it's more nonprofit. But um, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out to you and, you know, do questions later on, um, we're going to bring you back on the panel as well. Perfect. But just looking at time, um, we probably want to go move to the next one, then bring you back in the hall afterwards. If this is okay. I, yes. I just have something to say. Is it fine? Yeah, please. Thank you so much, Catherine and Simon, for inviting me over to speak in this conference. It's only because of you. We have educated many people on our meeting today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nihal. Thanks. Brilliant. And then, yeah, let's let's go to um, Sergio next, who is the co-founder and CEO of Dynami. Catherine? Catherine. Hello, uh, my name is Sergio Baran. I'm co-founder and CEO of Dynami. At Dynami, we make microstructure lithium battery electrodes for faster charging and, log and longer cycle life. The battery market is changing quickly as new mobility applications are coming into general use. Uh, the key understanding is that uh, as devices and electric vehicles advance, we are moving from simple cost competition to competition on battery performance as well. Uh, products in which uh, the battery is expected to be a key differentiating feature are, for example, uh, electric vehicles on which energy density and power density are, are important, especially for privately owned vehicles. And cycle life is also fundamental. It's a fundamental metric for fleet vehicles or other vehicles with high utilization. Most lithium battery architectures rely on amorphous blade-casted electrodes and most companies just do innovation in the chemistry. To fulfill the promise of a cleaner transportation and affordable renewable energy, chemistry is not enough. Dynami Battery Corp has developed a scalable, cost-effective technology to mass-produce microstructure lithium battery electrodes, and our patent-pending honeycomb electrode builds upon existing and future battery chemistries to make longer-lasting, faster charging batteries. 
We harness the effect of the creation of secondary port networks in battery electrodes, allowing better lithium-ion diffusion, hence faster charging and higher power. Our honeycomb electrode is mechanically superior to current amorphous electrodes, giving way to longer cycle life. Dynamis electrodes are fully compatible with existing and future battery chemistries, including liquid or polymer electrolytes and solid-state battery cells. Our technology complements existing design and manufacturing processes and is additive to the many other innovations in the battery space. We have just graduated from the Creative Distraction Lab Acceleration Program in Canada, and we are raising a $1 million seed round, of which about 70% is already committed. And the proceedings of this round will be used to make extensive honeycomb electrode battery testing in third-party industrial facilities and get closer to commercialization. This is Sergio Baron, and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Sergio. Bruce, would you like to go first? Yes, Sergio, thank you so very much for your pitch. Um, it's very interesting. Um, I'm curious, could you, just for my sake here, could you uh, elaborate exactly on the technology that, that you guys have? Is it the manufacturing process of the honeycomb electrodes or is it the fact that you can produce these type of electrodes at all? It, it's a manufacturing process. Um, we, 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 we print these electrodes using industrial inject printers. And we created inks and processes that, that make these electrodes. And the, and the interesting thing about that is that uh, we can modulate many of the para parameters on, the, on, the, on, this, uh, on these poor networks at the manufacturing time because our, our fabrication is digitally controlled. Exactly. And can you, so, and are you able to print different kinds of uh, chemistries that are already in use in the industry? Or does it uh, cater to specific chemistries only? No, that is exactly the, the, the first thing you said. Uh, we, are, we are chemistry agnostic. We can use most, if not all, available chemistries. We, so far, we have, we have done LFP and NCM. And in this, uh, in this um, larger testing we are planning, we are, we're gonna do LFP NCM and a, a nickel-rich NCM compound too. Thank you. Maggie, would you like to go next? Yes, please. Um, you know, the, 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 the ink processes is one that creates a lot of scrap in a normal production. Have you been able to look at scrap rates of your technology versus what's currently um, in manufacturing, that might be hard because that's not a public figure, but I'm immediately drawn to a reduction in scrap because of a more controlled process. Yeah, that, that is another advantage actually of our process. We, we foresee a, a, a less scrap than current blade casting technology. Uh, to, be, to be fair, the yield on, 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 on large production lines of electrodes using blade casting as slurries is not that good, especially because of the of the poor precision in the in the drying process. On the other side, uh, we have a much more controlled process and and it we 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 foresee less scrap on on the contrary. No. Perfect. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yield and scrap would be a definite selling point. Yes, please. 
Hi, Sergio. So my question is around the, the, the C rates. And so what, what C rates improvements do you see with your technology in the future? Okay, we, we, we foresee a, a um, we, we already have done some, some lab testing and we, and we, we, what we do is A-B testing, you know, same, same uh, battery chemistry, uh, a battery assembled with a, with a, with a honeycomb electrode that, that is with our secondary power network and another battery with the same chemistry with no, with no, with no structure, with no microstructuring and we see up to 40% increase um on on the on the same chemistry so uh, our our technology is additive to other to other uh innovations uh, or other parameters in the that that comes with a, with a, with a, with a specific chemistry i have another question sergio um with this uh, manufacturing method how uh scalable is it also in terms of generating the right amount of outputs that you need uh, on a production line is this uh, does this require more time per let's say square meter of uh, electrode really good question bruce uh we i'm gonna change it to 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 a cost question because um speed in in manufacturing is also cost uh so the, the essentially if we if we if we the the the, the parameter to make the process faster is parallelizing the production of the electrodes. Uh, so imagine uh, what, what we replace is uh, the the slurry making and the and the blade casting and and the big ovens for for drying the electrodes. We replace that. Imagine the worst case, case scenario is using off the shelf industrial inject printers like the for example like the Xerox Trevor. For for a for a mm -hmm. medium small size uh, battery uh, manufacturing plant, let's say hundred megawatts megawatt hour per year, it it would be like uh, you, to to have exactly the same speed as blade casting, you would need mm -hmm. eight of these machines in parallel. All right. Oh, no, well, no. And there's another better answer for that. Uh, Electromaking is about 50% of the cost of the battery, but most of that cost is not manufacturing, it's the materials. So even if we go, if we increase a little bit the cost of, uh, in, the, in, the, in the manufacturing, which in our case is not, it's not the case in the operational cost, but only in the, in the capital expenditure, the total increase is very low because the, the slice of, of course, that comes from manufacturing in in battery making in general and in, in electrodes in particular, is very small. It's about twelve percent. Yeah, thank you. Hi, uh, Sergio. Um, how how do you how how do you make sure you grow at least two x on a on a year on year basis to be venture scalable? Um, and what what are your exit plans and timeline? Good question. Uh, exit plans. Can you repeat the two questions, Remy? Please. Yep. Um. IPO, trade sale, and trade sale to which kind of companies are you looking to sell the company to? Okay. Uh. So. Uh. That's a good question. We already we already had conversations. Um. Since we, I don't know if you are familiar with the Creative Instruction Lab, but uh, it's it's a, it's an objective setting, 
program. And one of our objectives was to contrast this technology against uh, what we call battery luminaries. And for that, we had a very good conversations with top notch um, founders and scientists in the, in the battery industry. Uh, we, we, we spoke with Tim Holm from QuantumScape. We spoke with a high ranking scientific advisor of Tesla and, and many others. And there was big enthusiasm on, on our tech. So, but, but the, 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 as, as, our, as our plan advances, we, are, we really want to have strong data on our own in order to get to the next um, um, testing uh, a pilot, uh, piloting with, it, with these companies. Um, so most probably an exit is, it would be being bought by one of these companies, but we also have a commercialization plan if you, if you are interested. Thank you so much all. So let's have a very quick rating on the scale of one to 10 for Sergio, starting from Bruce. Bruce, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say an eight, I think. Um, the technology is very interesting, especially uh, considering the influx, inflection point of conventional chemistries into uh, EVs before the emergence of solid state. So I think you might be able to capture that, but uh, I'm a bit uh, more worried about how fast you can scale up because I think that's the main question here to keep up with the market demand. Thanks, Bruce. Maggie, what are your thoughts? Uh, six, just because I need to see a little bit more data and see it in action, but it would be eight or nine if it can definitely fit into manufacturing processes seamlessly, uh, mainly on the reduction of scrap and increase in yield. Thank you so much. What about you, Remy? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a six for me. I thought the technology was pretty interesting. Uh, the, the one bit that uh, makes me a little bit uncomfortable to invest would then be the question I asked, which is I'm, I'm still not exactly sure which company will be buying this uh, and realizing the return investment I need as, uh, as an investor. Thanks, Remy. So I'll read a seven. Uh, definitely is interesting technology and really good that you're gearing up for, for a seed round um, and already have 70% of that. So congratulations on that. Just a little bit of uh, constructive constructive feedback on on your pitch. Um, just try to have a little bit more of concise pitch where you're also zeroing on what exactly that you do because it wasn't exactly clear that you were focusing on the the process. But overall, thank you for the pitch. Brilliant. Thank you so much, everyone. And um, yeah, thanks so much, Sergio, as well for your pitch. And yeah, we're gonna uh, move you down to the audience till we're gonna have. Um, everyone back in about few, in a few minutes' time. Um, now we have something quite exciting planned to try to actually call in someone from outside um, outside um, Clubhouse because, as you know, not everyone can call in. Actually, this person is based in China. I'm Sue from um, Boatry Cycling. And Catherine, do you want to try to to call her in now? Does this work? Uh, hello. Can you hear hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Okay. Yeah, thank you everybody and thanks Simon for uh, inviting me. I'm Shui Wang from Boatry Cycling. Uh, actually, uh, our work can be corrected with Li Hao that uh, he just uh, introduced that uh, his team's wonderful work on collecting uh, this 
uh, batteries. And what we do is to uh, poison the loop on lithium ion batteries uh, by critical metal regeneration. That is, uh, we are uh, focusing on the innovative technology and pro uh, process to support a sustainable uh, battery metal supply chain. Uh, in battery supply chain, we provide the solutions uh, not only for refining metal uh, preparation, but also uh, in the uh, downstream um, uh, curve, uh, supply chain of uh, dismantling and uh, extraction. We also provide uh, solutions for the uh, critical metal regeneration. Uh, our team has been working in this uh, battery uh, industry for more than 10 years. Uh, and uh, uh, we are graduate uh, from like the Chinese Academy of Sciences. Um, I myself uh, from Kyuluwen in Belgium and also from Japan, uh, Waseda University, uh, H Central. And uh, we also uh, published uh, our team, also the, some uh, major uh, authors of some uh, books like the Blue Book of Power Battery in China, White Book of uh, Spent Power Battery Recycling in China. We also participate uh, in some national standards of spent battery recycling in China. We uh, already also already applied for more than uh, 50 uh, Chinese patents. And also we are applying for uh, PCT for protect our IPs. Uh, now we are based uh, in China and we are also setting up our, our Europe for a subsidy, maybe in uh, Germany in the coming, uh, uh, coming months. Uh, for the uh, battery, uh, this battery recycling itself, uh, we already had uh, innovations in all the flow sheets uh, from dismantling, uh, leaching, uh, pre-nissum recovery, and also the uh, critical metals of nickel cobalt extraction. All these innovations, we already had the pilot scale uh, explosion. Uh, with the Chinese K uh, industry players. Also, we have R&D uh, uh, platform that we can uh, continuously develop new technologies. Uh, I will escape our process and the technologies based on the time limit. And uh, but I want to mention that we uh, accept for the technology itself. We also design the equipment for our technology and do the manufacturing. For example, we also uh, we also had uh, already uh, portable equipment that for the equip for our process that uh, with a treatment capacity of two thousand tons uh, spent battery per year. Uh, that's already been sent uh, to the Chinese companies. So therefore, we can easily uh, correct and uh, treat the spent batteries. Uh, currently, Thank now we much. already have... Okay. Okay. Okay, would you like to get started? So uh, now we already had... Uh, like uh, 10, 000, uh, more than 10,000 uh, uh, tons per year uh, projects outside of China for the designing of uh, a recycling uh, facility uh, in South Korea. And also we have uh, several projects going on for uh, industry. So 
together, we also would like others to join us to make the clean energy cleaner. Thank you. Julian, thank you very much, too. And yeah, maybe it's a bit tricky with, um, with the feedback, but Bruce, would you like to get started? Do you have some thoughts? Hi, thanks, uh, Shiwang. Um, I think the the space you're trying to tackle is uh, very, very uh, promising. Obviously, the loop needs to be changed of the whole supply chain. Um, it sounds like you have a lot of different technologies that you're trying to develop. Um, is it true that uh, you're trying to uh, gain expertise in all basically different parts of the supply chain, um, metal refinery and preparation, but also cell, uh, end of life cell uh, dismantling? Uh, or are you trying to focus on a specific part of the um, supply chain of, the, uh, of batteries? And sorry, if I could quickly chime in. How about we collect all the questions? I think just makes it easier logistically. So if you want to just take all the questions together. So Maggie, Remy, Stephanie, if you want to add some questions and let me just do them all at one time. Oh. Yeah, so I'll just follow up on Bruce. Um, I was unclear on the business model. And if you're looking to, if you're going to be set in China or you're looking to deploy your technology to other locations. Yeah, um, I would love to know about what are some of the use cases that you have with um, existing clients. Thank you. So my question would also be around commercialization because obviously battery prices are going lower. So very interesting to hear how this process would compete um, against the, the, the battery prices going lower. And then also in terms of the, the partnerships, I understood it was more around universities, um, but are there any industrial partner, partners or any partners in the industry currently? Okay, okay. Uh... Thank you all for all your questions. First, for the answer to the first question, that uh, allow women uh, focus on the battery recycling, but because uh, the refining also use similar technology, for example, they uh, use similar uh, extraction uh, method. So we, our technology not only can be used for the recycling, but also can be uh, used the, in the recycling part or in the uh, refining part. Uh, for the second uh, question about uh, our the location, uh, actually now all, uh, most of our customers are outside of China, uh, like uh, in Korea, Japan, and also in US and uh, Europe. So although we are uh, born in China, but we are uh, very international, and we have many uh, international clients because uh, uh, battery recycling uh, is not only the problem of China, especially after the uh, Chinese uh, ban of solid waste imports, and also uh, during the uh, new battery regulations in Europe, and also uh, some activities in US. So I think there are the demand uh, not only in China, but uh, I, I mean it's globally. So uh, we have many uh, commercial uh, clients. Uh, then to contacting with us to uh, collaborate uh, for the battery recycling uh, facilities. And also we 
provide uh, consulting for uh, for our technology and to make uh, designing for their plants. So uh, this also uh, uh, answers the questions about so, the partnership and the industrial uh, players. So actually, uh, because I said we had more than 10 years uh, working experience. So actually in China, we have uh, more than 30 uh, industry players and uh, many of our uh, uh, clients or the partners are top players like Huawei, Hubert and uh, others. So, but uh, uh, outside of China, due to the uh, NDR, so maybe I cannot uh, spell out the names of these companies, but uh, I mean, uh, but basically we have a, a, a very good uh, progress and uh, our equipment's also already been uh, tested and finished the pilot scale and are ready to uh, send it to the customers. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, with this, maybe we can do one quick round. Bruce, Maggie, Remy, just Stephanie, just a quick number. And um, yeah, then we do the Q&A with everyone. Right, I'll start off. Uh, I'd say this would be a five for me. Um, to me, this sounds like very much of an engineering uh, business with not per se so much innovation, especially uh, because you're trying to tackle a lot of different problems at the same time. So um, I'd be more interested in seeing one kind of breakthrough technology uh, that I can, that we can uh, invest in rather than a whole suite of solutions um, that uh, at this point, point in time weren't super clear for me. Uh, six, 6.5. I think there's definitely a lot of space for this type of innovation. Um, but agree, trying to focus on one thing and getting that done and getting that right um, would be very beneficial to to the supply chain. Remy? Yep, hi. Um, it's a 3.5 for me. As of this point in time, um, really because we have seen too many startups, too many early stage startups, I should add, uh, fail because they absolutely don't know what to focus on. Um, and trying to please everyone is a surefire way for at least each other to fail. Having said that, once you find a niche um, and your customers might be able to give you what the niche is, uh, go full, you know, full, full steam ahead in that direction, and th this can easily rise up to the 7.5 and the 8. Thank you. And from my side, I'll say a four. This is def definitely technology that's for battery recycling, clear need for the world, but still have a lot of questions on the commercialization. So that's probably to come, but those are my qu questions. And and Shu, I think you, you're you knowledgeable, you have a lot of information, um, but it'd be really good to have, you know, really work on your, your pitch to have a, a more concise pitch. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone, for, for all these feedbacks. And I think you also want to shout out to... to to Sue, but also everyone else who uh, presented today. I think we have some really interesting pitches. And of course, we very much appreciate that in the short time, um, you know, people have been pitching. It's very hard to bring all the knowledge across. But I guess, you know, part of the idea of today is, you know, if you would have this one elevator ride with your favorite, you know, investor and favorite potential partner or expert, what would be like, you know, what would we tell them and what would you like to get from them back? Um, so just looking at the time, you know, we appreciate it that we're already at the end of the time we set, one of ours. But we hope that maybe some people can stick around for another like 10 minutes or so, because now we have everyone back and just want to do a big applause to everyone who pitched today.
as well as a massive, massive shout out to all the incredible panelists and experts and investors we have with us as well. So I can see if, I mean, for the people who cannot see it, we have flashing <laughs> microphones all around. And now is a great time to actually invite some people on the stage who want to bring in some additional questions. And yeah, if you want to raise your hand, I think the function is allowed now. We can do that as well. I think we had some before. Otherwise, we can also, if there's anyone here who wants to ask any other Okay, now people are coming on stage. We have Max, we have Reza. Max, do you want to go ahead? Sure. Um, so I guess I, my question is this. Um, I'm looking for advice. I'm not looking to pitch yet. Um, I'm 21 years old, and I have a, a basic design for um, a battery that's completely wireless um, that, fits, that fits for motorboats, washing machines, and vacuum cleaners. And... I don't have a chemistry background. I'm just obsessed with research, and I've been I, I researched this for over four or five years before I came up with the right material I need for it. Now I'm at the stage where I got I got to build a prototype. I'm on Long Island. I live in New York. Where? What laboratory do I go to do this? Who should I go? What group should I do? How do I do this? Um. Brookhaven is coming to mind right now. I did a lot of research there. I don't know if you have any connections or how close you are to there or if you know anyone there. Um, I don't know anyone per se there. Um, mm -hmm. I also live in the city. I have, I have another place oh. out there. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure where I should go to do this, but that that's what I got going on right now. I got a, I got a battery that's the size of a hockey puck that lasts 15 <laughs> years, and it could fit in washing machines, uh, motorboats, cars, and, uh, and and uh, basic appliances per se, as well as as well as mechanical vehicles. Um, so that's what I got, and I don't know where to go to do this. Uh, I've got perhaps some advice and also a little plug for uh, the battery MBA. Uh, this uh, what Simon and Catherine are setting up um, for uh, aspiring entrepreneurs in the battery space. I think. Uh, the battery MBA, if you don't, don't know what it's all about, uh, I think it's a crash course of how to become well-versed in uh, kind of the battery tech, but also the commercial aspect uh, and that, that Simon and Catherine are running. And I think that should also provide with some very interesting links to connect you further, uh, to get into contact also with labs and um, universities to develop the tech further. So it's called what's it called? Um, battery. Battery MBA, like the battery MBA. business school. Exactly. Okay. MBA. Okay. Simon, am I pitching that right? Oh man, you did it better than I could. Yeah, battery MBA. Thank you so much. And yeah, Catherine's going to be a lecturer there as well. So, and um, yeah, some really really exciting things happening. And Stephanie is there as well, and really excited for it. Yeah. Also, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, etc. Happy to tell you more about it. Thank you. Reza, would you like to connect? Simon, thank you. Very informative uh, club you have here. Very nice. I learned a lot. Um, Mar, I tried to search you on LinkedIn. I couldn't find you. I'm very interested to connect with you. Uh, I mean, you work, you're working on OEM, but I'm very interested to work on retail side. Uh, I've been working on this technology for some time. I've been working with some of the Chinese, but I have not been able to find a good solution yet. The market is there in retail market. Oh, yeah, market's fine, but there's no margin, in my opinion. They really squeeze really hard. They have the power. 
in retail market, if you're interested, um, I could invest, I could license your product, I could help you with manufacturing, whatever model that works for you. Gotta be a win-win. First, we will do an NDA, our sentient NDA, and if there is a vision, I'm sure we could come with a strategy to develop a win-win solution. If not, then at least uh, you know we connect, and uh, hopefully uh, later on we could help each other. Really appreciate it. Hi Reza, um, if you've got your LinkedIn, I can also follow you, um, or I'll, I'll I'll try to find you on LinkedIn. Uh, but that that would be wonderful. I'm curious to learn more about the retail side as well. Great. Thank you. Again, everybody talks about EV. I think EV market is getting pretty crowded and it's very hard to get in, but there are many other markets. And personally, uh, I have a problem, then I think there's a solution. I've been testing it and uh, uh, I'm an outdoor guy, so I do a lot of camping. Uh, I have an RV and there's a big headache when you don't have a power to run your air conditioning. So there's a huge market. Uh, uh, definitely, I could give you more details. Uh, the system got to be integrated, though. Uh, I could help you to with the integration. Uh, I have invested in other companies. They're looking for this technology, so it will be win-win, not just for me and for you, for others as well. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you, Reza. I've just added yeah. you on LinkedIn. Okay, great, thank you. Thank you, Reza. I'm very excited that there are some potential links coming up here and some potential deals. Crystal, would you like to go next? Hi, um, I mostly wanted to ask, is it is your name Mark? Because I tried to find you on LinkedIn and I wanted to learn more about your company. I didn't catch the name of it. Um, I actually did some research on uh, like fuel cells using uh, like the equipment that you described with the impedance space spectrometer and but in a lab setting. So I kind of wanted to learn more about how you like thought of this great idea to, and also applied it to like scaling. So yeah, if you could tell me like your, share your LinkedIn or the name of your company website, that'd be cool. Hi, Crystal. Um, I actually think I just found you on LinkedIn. So I'll add you on there. Our company name is Pulsenix, P-U-L-S-E-N-I-C-S.com. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. And also a quick plug, and feel free to connect also with Catherine on LinkedIn because she posted um, a post with all the links and all the people who pitched today. And you're probably also going to put it on the batteryrevolution.club website as well. So if you're interested to, to have another look of the amazing people and the amazing companies and organizations who have pitched today, you can find them there as well. Miles, did you have a point? Yeah, I have only one question probably for the marks. Uh, because you didn't present your uh, invention or your company, so maybe if you can, if you want, I don't see also yeah, any contact yeah, information. For yes, you. yes. So basically, I'm I'm a I'm a fresh on startup. I, I'm not. I don't even have a company yet. I basically have a design, a mechanical design to create to, for a battery that you don't need to plug into a wall that could power your hardware in your house, like your washing machine, like your microwave, like your vacuum cleaner. You don't need to plug it in ever, last 15 years, and it could also work in cars, but it's more, you have to pay a little more money, actually a lot more money, and for motorboats as well, motorboat engines. Um, and you don't, need to, you don't need to charge it. You don't got to worry about that, it'll last 15 years. Yes, it uh, uh, sounds to be, uh, too good to be truth, but uh, I'm willing it's, to explain. It's, it's through chemistry. 
vanadium is is one of the secrets I got going on with this design vanadium. Yes, uh, maybe if you can contact me directly, of course, because I don't see course. any contact information for of you. Course. Of so course, of course. I, I just jumped in here. Yes, yes, I will. I will contact you absolutely. Amazing. Yeah, just looking at the time, we're already a bit running a bit over, and we appreciate that it has been uh, longer than you know we originally said. So, is there anyone who has any last kind of thoughts, anything they would like to ask? This is your chance. Otherwise, you know, I think based on how, how much fun it was, I'm sure we're going to have another similar version like this in the future. And we will let you all know about it as well. Is anybody has any final question, thoughts? Otherwise, we can also close it up and I will leave it to Catherine to do so. I would like uh, also to the same for Demar, like the other people. Uh, I'm interested to explore your opportunity, I mean opportunity to invest or to partner with you in your company. So if you can contact me directly somehow, it would be great. Amazing, high demand. It's, just, uh, uh, it's great to hear that from our side as well. Um, huh? Milos, is that, was that for me? Yes, it was for you. Okay, yeah, I'll add your LinkedIn as well. Yeah, LinkedIn or uh, uh, through uh, through uh, Twitter, whatever you want. Okay, okay. I don't use LinkedIn a lot, but I'm on LinkedIn, so. Okay, wonderful. I'm actually not on Twitter, so we'll, we'll have to do LinkedIn or email if that's uh, if that works. Uh, LinkedIn is fine. Okay. Amazing. Um, so maybe then, you know, we can kind of wrap it up as well for today. Um, I just want to say for my side as well, a big thank you for, for everyone to participate today. You know, this was one of our, um, you know, wild ideas, similar to how we all started Bad Revolution. So people who know the story, Catherine and I met on Clubhouse um, 16 weeks ago. And since then, we have been running these, these weekly um, sessions. And we have a lot of fun while doing so. It was also really fun today to actually have more people, you know, on the, as a panel here. So extremely grateful for Bruce, Remy, Stephanie, and Maggie, um, which was just incredible fun. Also, I can say from a from a starting point, even us just getting you know all together and kind of planning this just before is even lots of fun as well. So really, really grateful for all of you to be part of this, and also of course really, really grateful for all the amazing startups who were brave enough to you know to speak up. And I know it's different. Um, you know, a lot of you are more used probably to give slides and have like all these nice backup you know, information, but this was, you know, just on audio and I think you did all really well. So extremely grateful for all of you to spend your Saturday with us. Um, yeah. And then, you know, as we said, we're going to do a future version and um, this might be a little of a plug. You can follow Catherine, myself, also here on Clubhouse, the same as you can do with everyone else who's on the panel you're interested in to hear more from. And yeah, if you're also quite active on LinkedIn, so Catherine and myself, so if you want to connect with us there as well, because that's the platform we're also using to announce these kind of events. Yeah, and then maybe, um, Catherine, do you want to kind of have some other thoughts? And then maybe also we can think about what we're going to do next week. Yeah, so just to echo what Simon said, thank you all so much, especially the panelists and the startups who have taken the time to do this with us. And this is our first. Please let us know how we can um, improve and you know make it better for the other sessions. So I will also connect with all of you um, after uh, offline just to see, you know, what are some of your thoughts, feedback, et cetera. Um, and to the audience, some of you have um, signed up for on our battery revolution 
um, from to who, who want to participate in this. And thank you all so much um, for your participation. And we really look forward to having you back next week and the following week as well for Battery Revolution. So thank you so much. Sorry, this dragged on uh, more than we anticipated, but we hope you had a great event. I would uh, love to play the music again, but um, I think due to technical difficulties, it's a bit difficult at this point. <laughs> so thank you so much for bearing with us as well as we um, try this out for the first time. Really hope that you have enjoyed it and please do let us know how we can improve. Um, so yeah, have a great night, evening or um, morning for everyone. Thank you all.